Hi there, listeners. It's Farnoosh. And I just want to say I'm really honored that you've chosen to subscribe to So Money. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. The fact that you're here is not lost on me. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes and you're benefiting from the advice and you want more, I've actually created something really special for us. It's called the So Money Members Club. It's an online platform where you can connect more closely with me and engage with fellow So Money fans who want to become more empowered in their financial lives. The website is So Money members.com. And when you go there, you'll learn all the benefits, including exclusive monthly finance workshops, private group calls with me. You get your questions answered in our member community. I'm often in there weighing in, and you get instant access to all of our workshop recordings. We have a robust library that's growing so far. We've had workshops on investing in real estate, kids and money, and how to earn more in 2024. And most of all, it's fun, positive, encouraging, all the things personal finance should be. Go to somoneymembers.com and I hope you'll join us. I'm limiting enrollment and doors will close soon. Check out somoneymembers.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with tap to pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So Money episode 1615, Jessica Cruel, editor-in-chief of Allure magazine. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I am very enthusiastic about wealth. <laughs> like, I want to be wealthy. And not fake wealthy, but like real wealthy. Like, drive my Toyota Corolla for my whole life wealthy. And so, um, you know, as By the way, I, just, I drove a Toyota Corolla. That was my first car. So. Yeah, you know, I think I read a stat somewhere that most millionaires drive Toyotas. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. We are continuing our outstanding lineup of guests in the new year. 
If you haven't listened to last week's episodes with Vivian Tu, also known as Your Rich BFF, whose book just became a New York Times bestseller, or our episode with Cindy Spiegel, author of Micro Joys, all last week, please go back and take a listen. Today, we are sitting down with one of the leading editors in our country, Jessica Krull. She's the editor of Allure Magazine, where she leads the development of multi-platform editorial content for digital, social, and video platforms platforms, including the Reader's Choice Awards and Best of Beauty Awards franchises. Jessica is a media and beauty maven, but also someone who is extremely passionate about personal finance. You'll hear her talk about her adventures in homeownership, investing, finding missing money. She also generously takes us back to the days of applying for editor-in-chief at Allure Magazine and her rising through the ranks of editorial in New York City, which I can say from personal experience, is very competitive, but Jessica did it with grace and an interesting lens through which she sees the world and how she shows up and prepares for lucky opportunities. And of course, stay tuned because as editor-in-chief of Allure Magazine, she's got her best picks, budget picks for beauty. If you're at the drugstore, like I often am, puzzled in the skincare aisle or the makeup aisles, she'll tell you exactly what to look for, what's worth it, what's not. Here's Jessica Cruel. Jessica Cruel, welcome to So Money and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, I've been a fan of yours for some time, and especially in the last two years as you've taken the helm at Allure Magazine as editor-in-chief. What I love about your approach to beauty is it's super inclusive. Um, You talk about outer beauty, but really inner beauty, and you talk about money, which is great. I love following your personal finance adventures online, which I can I just say I so appreciate that as somebody who works uh, in an industry that is not about money to then bring money into the conversation in a in a in a hot category like beauty. I mean, I feel honored that money is is taking up some space. Um, with your audience. So I want to talk about that. I know you're a homeowner, you're a landlord, you have some investing stories. So definitely going to dedicate some of our conversation to that. But firstly, let's talk about now you're approaching, you're in your, going on to your third year as editor-in-chief of Allure. You've spent um, probably all of your career um, in editorial and writing about beauty. Tell us a little bit about Uh, what your hopes are for the new year and and what your mission is. And maybe it's just more of the same, but kind of take us behind the scenes at Allure and tell us what's on tap for the new year. Well, the being a beauty editor is a very fun job. I will have to say, Um, not only do we get to try a lot of different products, but we also get to speak to amazing people, whether that's politicians, scientists, founders, um, hairstylists, and celebrities. So one thing that I'm really looking forward to is pulling up the curtain on what being a beauty editor is like. As we know, social media is a huge part of beauty these days. You know, every 10-year-old I talk to is on TikTok. So I'm watching and seeing, for better or for worse, all the trends there. And so when I think about where we're moving in 2024, I think I really want to show people what the real life of a beauty editor is like. I want to show all the work that we put into every piece of content that goes on our site. 
because I think just as people find my social media interesting and getting an inside look at what being an editor-in-chief is like, I think they would love to know, you know, the 10 hair products my assistant tested before it went into the Allure story. Or they would love to know about the acupuncture facial that a team member of ours got last week and the science behind that, the reporting that went into learning about that. So really um, trying to get my editors out there more on a regular basis so that people can get to know this allure cast of characters. Right. And as as much as we love to hear about what the random person's love affair is in the beauty world, like I know on TikTok, I'm not a big connoisseur of TikTok, but I know it gets there in my feed, you know, someone trying the new blah, blah, blah product, comparing it to the expensive beauty product. That obviously is powerful. But to your point, there is a science and there's a journalism and there is research to what you and your team do, which is unmatched in the influencer world. Why is that really important for the consumer at the end of the day? Well, TikTok is a place that is full of horrors, (laughs) especially when it comes to beauty. I I mean, there's so much misinformation out there and there are so many voices. And one thing that is good about social media is everyone has an opportunity to share their voice. But I think we need a little bit more, um, you know, discernment when it comes to voices that are true and have taken time to do the research and voices that are just people with opinions. And so one thing that Allure has always stood for is being uh, a helper for the person who loves beauty, right? We're here to help you figure out what ingredients are the best ones, uh, which products are the best ones, what research is accurate. And so for me, it's being that place in social media. You know, the person who's like, okay, all the social media is talking about latte makeup. Well, latte makeup is really just a repeat of the makeup from the 90s. And it's really not that complicated, right? It's like somebody has to be there to say it. <laughs> what is the, I, I mean, I know the latte factor. I don't know about the latte makeup. <laughs> you know, stepping, stepping into your beauty though, I, I have a, I have sort of a, my makeup routine is I try to keep it very minimal and I'm 40, I'll be 44 this year. I feel like after many years of working in television and in front of the camera, I've learned what works for me. And I learned like sort of, I don't, I don't have Botox. I don't have fillers yet. All this to say that there is a point to this, that we, and I think mostly women and women identifying people, we struggle with the standard of beauty. Right. Like, And I know intellectually, we know there's not one standard of beauty, but emotionally feeling like you are beautiful in a world that seems to idolize certain features over others and social media does not help with this. And even within your culture, there's biases, right? There's beauty bias. How does someone step into their true beauty comfortably, confidently? And so ultimately they do feel beautiful in their skin, there's this conflict, right? Constantly with like what you know is right, but, and yet you walk outside and you're feeling rejected because maybe you don't have the Botox or all the things. Right. You know, it's something that being the leader of what some people call the beauty Bible, I think a lot about, I think a lot about what we are portraying as beautiful. And I think something that I've tried to do as being the leader is to display more options You know, I talk a lot about how I wear my natural hair, I would say probably 95% of the time, because it's powerful for a young girl with natural hair to see the leader of Allure wearing natural hair. 
And I do that because we're trying to display that beauty comes in different forms. And I think for a long time, that uh, beacon of the standard of beauty came from publications like Allure. And so if now you come to Allure.com and you see Black women and you see South Asian women and you see short women and tall women and people of different sizes and curly hair, then you say, well, it's mixy, right? The standard of beauty can be anything. It's all these things. Something we talk a lot about now is age, right? Standard beauty isn't a 20-something-year-old. Maybe it's someone who's 50. Maybe it's someone who's 60. It's someone with gray hair. It's someone with visible wrinkles. Like, that's beautiful, too. And so what I always tell people is I believe beauty is a form of self-expression. I think we are try- all trying to create something that we feel shows the world who we are, Right. You look at me in an instant, I think, from my glasses, from my hair. You know, I have a big personality, right? I'm a Leo. It shows. <laughs> so I want to help everyone come to their own version of that. So they feel good. So they feel good because they're portraying what they want to portray, not necessarily what they feel the world wants them to look like. Yes. Great answer. Did this come up in your interview when you were applying for editor-in-chief and I want to know, Go take us behind the scenes a little bit. I think so, for so many people, the, the, the dream is, right, if you're in, if you're in media, is to maybe become a, a leader at a magazine. I know I watched 13 going on 30. I used to work in magazines. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a glamour to it, but it's also, as you point out, um, it's, it's a lot of work and it's not always red carpet, beautiful dresses. It's, uh, it's a lot of work. When you were... Uh, you know, applying or was, were being considered for this role. What were some of the, uh, take us behind the scenes. Like, was there a moment where you really thought you'd lost the interview or you got the interview? Like, I just want a highlight. Yeah. So I think as many women are in corporate America, I didn't necessarily think that I was right for this job. I definitely wasn't the person who was like, oh, it's open. I'm going to (laughs) apply. I didn't have the confidence at the time. It was really my community of other people in this industry who said, I think you should apply. I think you should give it a shot. And really that first few kind of days and weeks as I was deciding, right, because you do have to decide, am I going to go for this or am I not? I was leaning on the trust of my friends. I was leaning on other people who were saying, I think you'd be right for this. I think you should apply for this. I recommended you for this. So once I heard those things, then I was like, okay, well, I guess you all think I'll be okay. So I'll (laughs) put my name in the ring. And then it was during the process of the application that I really started to realize how much passion I have for this brand. To be clear, I worked for the brand prior. I was already here for two years as an employee on the senior team. And so as I start to work on, you know, you have to do kind of like a proposal, right, of what you would do with the brand. I started to really get excited about my ideas. And that was when I realized that even though I didn't think I was ready, I was definitely playing the, oh, in two more years, I'll be ready in two more years. Oh, you know, maybe I'll have more knowledge in two more years. I'll be ready to have this job. But as I started doing the proposal, I really started to feel like it was right for me. And, um, you know, it just worked out to where I ended up being the person. And it's been really great to see some of those ideas on the proposal come to fruition and also to see some of them just never make it. (laughs) Right. A lot of them fail. Is there something, 
Is there something you would tell your younger self? I know you've, I mean, you studied journalism, you've been working in editorial for, I would say, your entire career, and maybe always wanted to be at the helm of a publication. Knowing where you are today and what it's taken, what advice would you give your younger self? I would say, don't hunt for it. It will come to you. Because I think it's something, being a type A person like myself, being a very career-oriented person, I have a checklist, right? I have 2024 goals, 2025 goals, 10-year plans. And being editor-in-chief wasn't on my 10-year plan. It wasn't on my five-year plan. But gradually, I had realized that I'd gain all the skills. Whenever someone goes into a job, I always tell them, pick your next job based on the skill that you want to acquire. Yes, you have to worry about salary and things like that. But I always went say, okay, I want to learn this skill. I want to learn more about business. I want to learn more about events. I want to learn more about reporting. That's how I kind of looked at it. And then one day I looked up and I was like, oh, in my grab bag of skills, I've got all the skills that I need to become editor in chief of a magazine. And so what I say is like, don't seek it. If you seek the skills, then eventually you'll have what you need and the picture will, will form. It's almost like making a puzzle. Right. And and you have put in the work. And that is part of the work is to have the foresight to know this is what's going to have to be in the grab bag. I did that for myself. I think um, in my younger years, it wasn't so much to become leading a newsroom for me, but I I wanted to be a multimedia journalist. Yeah. And I went to journalism school where the philosophy was pick a lane. <laughs> You're either going to be magazines or radio or uh, we called it uh, – digital media at the time. Like we had, there weren't even blogs. This is, I'm really yeah. dating myself, but I was like, no, I think there's a world where you can do it all. And so my job is to make sure that every job brings forth some of these newer and, and additional platforms and skills. So my first job was in print, then it was in television, then it was in video, online video, and then it was book. So yeah, I, I completely um, relate to that and can appreciate that. Shifting gears a little bit to personal finance yeah, uh, that you have a lot of passion in this world. You are a you talk about it on your social media, which again, thank you. You're a homeowner. You're a landlord. Um, you recently found fourteen thousand dollars, and George wrote you a check. You talk about splitting your bills with friends. Would you say this is a parallel passion to beauty, or it's it's second to beauty? <laughs> I would say it's a parallel passion. I think really okay. Yes, I discovered it a little bit later. Uh, my passion for money, but I am very enthusiastic about wealth. (laughs) Like I want to be wealthy and not fake wealthy, but like real wealthy, like drive my Toyota Corolla for my whole life wealthy. And so, um, you know, I I drove a Toyota Corolla. That was my first car. Yeah. You know, I think I read a stat somewhere that most millionaires drive Toyotas. So I actually drive a Kia, but, you know, same difference. Um, You know, I just as I got into finance, you know, via podcasts and things like that, I'm just so fascinated about this ability to capture wealth and also pass it on to other people. Well, let's talk about how you are acquiring your wealth, how you're building your wealth. So homeownership is one 
way. Tell us about that experience. I was reading online that it was a a more expensive journey than you thought after the fact. Like getting the house itself requires some financial gymnastics, but then it's like once you're the homeowner, I think because you're really into renovating. Tell us about the behind the scenes of that process and why you're still keeping at it. (laughs) It hasn't hasn't burned you yet. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because my financial journey actually started with an ex-boyfriend. My journey to home ownership kind of started with an ex-boyfriend. I had a boyfriend, we were living together and he was buying his first house and it was a multifamily property. And he was explaining to me all of this about how, oh, you can make money off a rental income. And I was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay. He did it. And then we broke up and I was like, well, if he can have a house, I surely can have a house. I'm going to have a house. Tells you a little bit about my personality. I'm very competitive. So, you know, from then on, I started looking for my first house and I started doing research. I got into the financial independence movement and learning more about that. And Mm -hmm. so for me, owning a house was about having a second stream of income. Mm -hmm. And I bought my house accordingly. You know, I, I have a whole spreadsheet worksheet that shows like, okay, What's the ROI on this house? And with all the bills, are you going to make money off the rental income? And so my first property is a house hack that needed some renovation. So I got into that house. It's a duplex. And I bought it in 2019 for a very good price. It didn't seem like a good price at the time, but now it seems like a very good price that I bought it for. Mm Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, yes. And I renovated slowly but surely. For the first six months, I didn't have a toilet. Oh, well, I had a toilet, but it was upstairs. I had to like go up two flights of stairs to use the toilet. And so you lived in this while <laughs> renovating it, and then you rent out. Smart. Is this is this in New Jersey or L? Okay, it's in New Jersey. So I, I work in New York City. So I have mm-hmm. to, you know, I'm limited in location. I have to be close enough to get to my office and do my day job. And so I'm uh, close to the city. I take the the train into the city every day from my house. And, you know, it worked out to where I went from paying $2,100 in rent to now I pay $0 in rent. And that, of course, it took a couple of years and a lot of money with renovations and things like that. But at the end of the day, think of what that allows. That $2,100 goes into savings. It goes into Mm -hmm. investments. Mm -hmm. It goes into money for the second house, which is what I bought this year. So it really opened up a lot of flexibility for me. And sometimes I call it like, it's my plan B. We know media is a very, you know, interesting landscape. You never know what's coming, but I always have the house that, you know, my, I always say my rent is paid. Right. And a woman is powerful when her rent is paid. (laughs) For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. You want a bra that's sexy. You want a bra that's comfortable. You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. 
They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes so you can see new homes first, and they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. The weather's getting warmer as I record. It's a nice 73 degrees on the East Coast. So finally, time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and fingers crossed hello to shorts and tees. And I need to update my wardrobe for the long haul. And you know, I don't want to spend a fortune. So luckily I found Quince. I'm honest. I've got a lineup of timeless pieces from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm talking premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karakol jewelry, and tons more. Best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I have t-shirts from Quince, pajamas from Quince, my very chic and fashionable sister-in-law, Hannah, her whole closet is Quince. And people often stop us and ask, where did you get this? Don't tell me the price. And then when I do, they're shopping on Quince.com. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash so money for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash so money to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so money. Did you know that I'm a podcast host and also a mind reader? Because I know that you want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising costs of inflation, to pay off your debt or your mortgage. You want to attack pretty much anything standing in the way of you and your financial freedom, right? Well, here's one solution, more knowledge. This podcast helps, I hope. And you can use Yahoo Finance, where you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need to help reach your definition of financial freedom. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, and I know because I worked there for many years, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, customizable charts, so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. It's been a while now, this statistic, but women uh, homeowners, single women homeowners are actually one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing group of homeowners in this country. I love seeing that stat. Now you brought up investing you have an interesting story about investing. I'm going to have you share it with us, but essentially it's a story that starts when you were two years old yeah. 
and it involves a grandparent. And it's actually how you were able to fast forward to today, afford the first property. So tell us about that and what you learned about the power of investing through that personal story. Yeah. So my grandfather was one of the founding members of Ameris Bank. It's a bank in in Georgia and in the South where I'm from. And when he, as a part of that founding moment, he got several shares of stock and he spread them among his children and grandchildren. So I'm the oldest grandchild. So I got my chunk and it sat for, you know, 20 years, basically almost. And I would get the little um, papers and the statements in the mail, but I never knew what they were. I was just like, oh, I've got mail. Like it says my name and it says my mommy's name and it has a whole bunch of numbers on it. Um, But I kept track of it. And eventually that just increased in value. You know, the thing about the stock market is the longer you're in it, the better it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially being a two-year-old when I got stock, I wasn't messing with it. I wasn't touching it. I wasn't doing anything to it. It was reinvesting dividends and just let it sit. And so eventually it ended up being a good chunk of change. And I was able to cash that out, pay capital gains tax, but cash it out and use that for the down payment on my first home. And on my first home, you know, I used all the first time home buyer benefits. So I only put 5% down on my first home. And, you know, you'd be surprised with what little money you can create. So, you know, I, I'm so thankful to my grandfather for having that foresight and for really setting me up financially, but it also taught me the benefit of investing. And so I literally just put some money in all my nieces and nephews accounts for Christmas and birthdays, because I can see how in 20 years, that's going to be their first house money, their college money. So it's something that I do to pay it forward. Now, in your 20s, I imagine you were living maybe in New York, uh, working in the media landscape. I, too, did that, and it was hard. I got lots of side hustles to help make ends meet, pay off some student loan debt and credit card debt. Um, Advice for someone in their 20s who's starting out in an industry that doesn't typically pay a lot in the beginning or ever (laughs) and is living in a very expensive, high-cost-of-living city. That's a, a nice portion of my audience. And so yeah. I want to hear from you firsthand what, what got you through those for that first decade. Yeah. Well, when I first moved to New York, I always say I moved to New York with a sublease and a suitcase. And <laughs> that was, you know, 12 years ago and I'm still here. Uh, so keeping it real, my dad paid my rent for the first six months. Like mm-hmm. I also in New York, they have crazy security deposits. So I had to put down like six months of security and get my dad to co-sign. And so those first couple of months, my dad paid for my rent um, until I had a steady job and, you know, had all those things figured out. So that was a huge help when I first got into Mm -hmm. it. Um, But, you know, I think after you get through that period where you literally just make ends meet, (laughs) because there is that period, maybe once you get your second job, not your first job. Mm-hmm. I always tell people to automate everything. I, to this day, automate everything. One of my friends was laughing at me because sometimes I say I'm broke. And they're like, you're Energy for Magazine. You have two houses. I know you're not broke. I was like, oh, no, but a certain amount comes into my bank account every month. And it's exactly the amount I need for my expenses. So when that, I sometimes have my bank account on negative 18. <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, whoops, mm-hmm. spent all my money. Mm-hmm. You know, got to move some things around. 
So even now, when I get my paycheck, I divvy it up so that 35% automatically goes to my savings account. Wow. Are you trying to retire in five years? You know, everybody's got plans. Everybody's got plans. Look you know, how to winter that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like I, I also, maybe I'll have another house, you know? So 35% of every, every check goes to savings. 28% of every check goes to investments. So, you know, wow. in addition to 401k, I max out my 401k, I max out, you know, my IRA, all that investments is a huge chunk of it. And then 37% of it comes to me for me to do what I need to do, whether it's putting a new tire on my car, like it was this morning or, you know, other things like that, you know, for just food and and subscriptions or whatever. And that's something that I calculated at the beginning of this year. And I just stuck to it. I don't change it. Where does your appetite for saving 35% come from? I don't think that's everybody. And even if people have the capacity, that's not everyone's instinct or inclination. And so I'm wondering, what is at the root of this? Like, where did you get that drive to be so financially careful? Yeah, I think I've always been a saver. I have a saver type uh, mentality. I'm like a chipmunk. I like to have like things in back pockets just saved away. That's just my personality. I didn't have a credit card. One of the reasons why my dad had to co-sign is I didn't have a credit card until after I graduated college because I was scared. I was like, no, 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 I'm afraid. But honestly, probably a good because right. a lot of people, that's where the trouble starts. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I was very delayed in that. And I think for me, um, you know, my parents are divorced, but I always wanted to have my own. You know, I... Um, always wanted to be able to take care of myself, to be independent. And I'm independent to a fault. Like I remember one time I couldn't make my rent because of things happening, right? Like something happened and my money wasn't coming in on time. And I literally called my dad boohoo crying, right? And he's like, are you okay? What's wrong? I was like, <gasps> I need to borrow like $300 because I can't pay my rent. And he was like, that's not a big deal. You know, you're, you're 22 years old. It's not a surprise, but you know, that's that core of like wanting to be able to take care of myself, wanting to be able Mm -hmm. to um, have the safety of financial security. Right. Because I think for me as a single woman, that's what makes me feel okay. Right. When things go wrong at the house, when things go wrong on my car, the thing I always say to myself is this is what we do it for. Right, right. I have a, I save that amount of money because it's not a big deal that I had to pay $250 for two tires this morning. An annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like I'm taken care of. Right. It's for the options. It's for the yeah. flexibility. It's so that your right. life can continue humming along. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. It's not the glamorous. You know, do you have uh, guilty pleasures? <laughs> guilty pleasures. I love a good restaurant. I think yeah. I'm a, a food lover. And so I recently went on um, a trip to Barcelona and I went to like a couple Michelin star restaurants and I didn't mm-hmm. blink an eye at the very mm-hmm. large bill. You know, things like that I'm very um, into. I, I'm i very fortunate though that there aren't a lot of things that I go gaga over. You know, like I work in fashion, beauty, I'm not a bag person. I'm not a shoe person. I'm not a fancy clothes person, even though I do wear them. You know, yeah. I that's not my bag. You know, I'm, I'm not really into it. I still know the most expensive thing I ever bought. And which was what? Um, 
so when I became editor in chief, we had like a little party that was to celebrate me becoming editor in chief and my boss, Anna Matur, was coming. And so I was like, okay, I got to look <laughs> my absolute best. And so it was one of the first times I shopped. Like, I'm a, I grew up a TJ Maxx shopper. So I'm, I love a discount, I love a deal. And, but I went into like designer stores and like was going to pay full price. And I paid like almost $2,000 for this very cute Zimmerman two piece. And it was gorgeous. And I can no longer fit it because, you know, <laughs> what I call EIC weight has hit me. But, you know, I still have it in my closet because it was just such a moment. What people also don't know is the night before that party, I had a leak in my ceiling. And, for three months, I slept on my couch <laughs> because I was a landlord. And it was like, you know, so I think that's very much so my life. It's a oh my complete gosh. dichotomy. You know, I handle something at the properties and then I come into the office and I'm like looking at photo shoots. <laughs> mm-hmm. I appreciate that. That's great. I mean, it's so important to show the behind the scenes. And uh, one of the things you also talked about regarding your finances online, and this was this is a great hack for everybody listening, is how you came into a windfall, but it wasn't it wasn't actually that uncommon how you got about getting it. A lot of us have what's called missing checks or unclaimed money, unclaimed funds. Right. You actually found fourteen thousand dollars that was unclaimed. It was yours mm-hmm. through the state of Georgia, and what a day that must have been. Yeah. Uh, but how did you even know to look, and how can everybody else kind of – I know there's like websites too where we can find missing money. Yeah, so I was listening to this from finance podcasts. So I'm a huge – I listen to oh, finance podcasts in the shower, in the car, on the train. You're going to add this show to your – Yes, mix, of right? course. You're subscribed to So Money? Okay, good. Yes. That's all. So – you know, I'm a, a big podcast listener. And on one of the many podcasts I listened to, I heard about this missing money thing. And of course, you're like, missingmoney.com. Let me see what's there. And I right. found that I had this huge amount of money in Georgia. And of course, my first thought was, this is a scam. <laughs> like, there's no way I have. What was it? What? How dollars? <laughs> so similar to, you know, my grandfather, I think I had other stock in my name. You know, my parents were oh. very good about putting things in my name getting me set up financially for the future. But, you know, you move, you move around, you lose track. And so I think it was one of those stock accounts, investment accounts, mutual funds that just got lost in the shuffle. And so I was able to, you know, write Georgia an email, fill out some forms and get some money. And it was just in time for me to put the down payment on my first property. Um, So that definitely helped with like renovations that I had to do and all of those things. So um, it's something that I tell people now, and even I just did a search and I've got money my college owes me in North Carolina. So it's like, you just can find these little money opportunities. Mm-hmm. I also just filmed a video for my social media on like high yield savings account. Mm-hmm. The other day I was like, my high yield savings account pays me $75 a month. Like that's crazy. You know, that's great. That's like, that's more than your Netflix. Yeah. Although who knows what Netflix is going to charge us next year. Um, all right, I can't have the editor in chief of Allure on So Money without giving us some So Money beauty picks. Yes, and I'll tell you a story. I was at CBS the other day, and I have tried everything from La Mer to a L'Oreal to an ELF. Like I, I, I just try all the price points, and 
Lemire feels really great on my skin, but I also don't want to spend $300. So I was at the drugstore and I just Googled like drugstore best beauty skin products. And, um, you know, what are, if we were in the drugstore mm-hmm. and we want to get a nice, we want to set ourselves up for success, mm-hmm. let's just go with skincare. Like, especially this time of year, my skin is so dry. What yeah. do you, what do you like? So I use mostly drugstore things. Like I'm not, I get access to some great things, but I think a simple drugstore routine is great. So my skincare routine starts with a Cetaphil, yeah. uh, the gentle skin cleanser. It's won, won multiple awards from Allure. You know, we have Best of Beauty, we have Reader's Choice Awards. It's a multi-award winner. And especially if you have dry skin, I find that it's just a good base for keeping your skin barrier protected and not dried out, right? Because you don't want to dry your skin out with a cleanser. Then I um, recommend a serum of some sort. And Mm -hmm. usually I tell people, if you're going to spend money on your routine, serum is the place to spend money, right? Mm -hmm. That's the place that you're going to get the most bang for your buck because it's got things like vitamin C or hyaluronic acid um, or exfoliants, right? So I am really loving Olay Super Serum. It's kind Mm -hmm. of an all-in-one. It has vitamin C. It has niacinamide in it. And so it's a great kind of like, I'm confused by serums right now. (laughs) (laughs) Serum. Brad Pitt uses a serum, apparently. So if you're like, I don't even know what serum does, just get with the Olay Super Serum. It has a lot of um, multi-mix of ingredients. Okay. And then you need a sunscreen. So when it comes to sunscreen, I really like a sunscreen brand called Malay. Um, It is a a sunscreen brand that is targeted for those with brown skin Mm -hmm. and melanin. So you don't have to worry about it having a weird cast or anything like that. And it's one that I love at the drugstore. So I tell people that's a basic routine. You don't have to have seven steps. Three things. I love that. It's three things. Three things. Sunscreen being the most important of them all, right? And so if you have those three three things, you are set up in a good way. If you want to build on that, Olay has a great retinol that I also like uh, for nighttime that you can go into that. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are just some of my favorites at at the drugstore. And then lastly... As someone who is looking at everything in the beauty space and knows what we might have a lot of or not enough of, where do you see the opportunity for innovation and maybe like the products that people don't even know they need, but they really do? I just, I'm thinking more for like the entrepreneur in the audience. We've had some um, skincare entrepreneurs on the show. interestingly enough, there is a lot of innovation happening in this space. But from your end, your perspective, what's an opportunity that is unmet right now? At Allure, we're talking a lot about sustainability. And, you know, I think it's a place that we could do a lot better work in as an industry. And I think I'm thinking a lot about, okay, we have a lot of single-use products in this business. Wipes, masks, sheet masks. Those are things that aren't great for the environment. Um, I'm really excited about some of the technology that's done in biotech right now. Um, It's one way, a sustainable way to source some ingredients that maybe aren't great to harvest in the real world and are better Mm -hmm. to be done in the lab. So I think there's a lot of things to be done in the biotech space around ingredients and skincare and innovation in that space. So 
Look, there's a lot of stuff out there. And being at Allure, we see most of it. Most of it, I will have to say, isn't worth our time or money. But I think there is an opportunity to figure out how to do products that are just better for the world, right? Better for the skin and better for the world. Yeah, both can be true at the same time. I agree. Jessica Cruel, thank you so much for being one of our first guests in the new year. Wishing you continued success. Thank you for having me. It was so good to talk to you. Thanks so much to Jessica Cruel for stopping by. Stay tuned for Wednesday's episode. We'll be in conversation with Danielle Robe, correspondent for E! News, host of the Pretty Smart podcast. She'll talk about being mentored by Larry King, her recent journey freezing her eggs and the financial toll of that, and lots more. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope your day is so money. Hosting the So Money Podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money Members Club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with Tap to Pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. You want a bra that's sexy. You want a bra that's comfortable. You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15.